We are here tonight to start our study on the, the book by Tim Keller called um, uh, Forgive, Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I? And uh, if you've not yet read the book, I hope you will at least start to read it. Uh, just sort of before we get, dive in, one thing you'll notice, Father Grader and I were talking about this this morning, the first, I don't know, two or three chapters are kind of, there's a lot of material sort of thrown out at you. It kind of seems kind of hodgepodge. Just kind of take that in in the beginning. It's kind of fire hosey, like just a lot of whew. And then later on, he develops these ideas, and he gets, it's really good. There's one chapter in there called The God of Love and Wrath, and I'm still wrapping my head around that chapter. It's really good. So uh, I'll just commend, uh, encourage you to stick with it. The beginning might sound, seem frazzled, um, kind of like my sermons, but it'll develop eventually into a, hopefully a thoughtful and coherent uh, idea. So... Um, before we jump in, I have a, a sort of a question, and maybe it's a bit of a rhetorical one, but maybe not. Uh, why, why are we here? I don't mean existentially why are we here. Why are we here for a class on forgiveness? Like, why are you here for a class on forgiveness? Um, why? Go ahead, Susan, what do you got? I've already learned that I'm thinking of it in the wrong way. Okay. Right. And, and yes, yeah, so forgiveness is awfully subtle. It's like it's yeah. So Susan's point is we are. She is trying. She has to forgive a person. This is going to be on tape, so I'll be I'll be a little. Uh, and and she and it's not. She's. It's a little different than you probably thought, right? We're going to learn how to do this. We're, we're actually going to learn what forgiveness means, where it comes from, and how do you do it. This is a very practical class. It seems heady in the beginning, uh, but just, buck, just stay with it, trust me, because it gets actually very, very practical and very uh, actually even applicable to your own life. Forgiveness is one of those things which is, it seems, you'll be surprised to learn, and we'll talk about this today and certainly next time, that forgiveness is actually a uniquely Christian idea which I'd never really thought of before, I'll be honest with you. But the, the Greeks, who have the closest approximation to Western civilization that we have, right? Even the Greeks didn't believe in forgiveness. They believed in, if you're a Stoic, maybe like modern um, uh, Hindus would do, try to transcend reality and sort of, you know, sort of buckle in and deal with it kind of thing. But this idea of forgiveness is a radically Christian idea. And so it's actually not something which is intuitive to human nature. So if you find forgiveness difficult, Join the club. <laughs> that's kind of that's part of the, that's part of the, kind of the point. And so we're going to be looking at that tonight. Why else do you think it's important to forgive? What do you think? Yes, Dr. Large. Yes, uh, there's a comment in here that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Desmond Tutu said, uh, and I, read the, I did a book study on that book he mentions in chapter one called No Future Without Forgiveness. Um, ask, me what I'm, ask me what the title of my study was afterwards, and I'll tell you what it was. Uh, I, I, I wasn't impressed by that book, but I will say uh, the one thing that Desmond Tutu says is about that if you let someone continue to, if you don't forgive somebody, you're letting them actually continue to control you. So that's a huge, but that's actually not even the whole story. But you're right, that is part of it. It's just getting beyond. But then how do you do that, right? Um, what else? Anybody else have a, th a thing here about forgiveness? Why it's a confusing issue for people? Yes, Linda. Um, because I think it's too hard to accept how you deal with forgiveness itself. Right. And then how the, the other person that you're forgiving 
Right. That's right. So that, go ahead. The, the recipient of forgiveness, does it even matter? It, well, it doesn't. I mean, that's a question. We'll talk about that too. I actually think, personally, I'll tell you, pastorally and in my own heart, uh, as sinful and broken as it is, uh, and, but I, I would say pastorally, I think the biggest problem with forgiveness is people think it's a feeling. Honestly, that's what I think is the biggest hang-up. Because we're all taught to, you know, love your neighbor, be nice to people, which, again, is a uniquely Christian idea. It's, this is, that's a ridiculous idea in the history of humanity. So it is. And it's not natural. But we're all taught as children, and even in church we hear, be nice to people, you know, love your neighbor, all that sort of stuff. We think, that, we think of forgiveness as an emotion. That's not true. I'll prove it to you in one tiny little vignette here, one little snippet. Jesus says, for example, love your enemy, Right? Well, presumably it means forgiveness too. But if you love your enemy, an enemy is by definition somebody that you don't like. Is that true? So you can't love your enemy because by definition you don't love them emotionally. So the idea is you've got, as a Christian, one of the things is, and this is a kind of threading the needle here a little bit, is separating emotion from behavior. Now, hopefully the emotional part comes later. We'll talk about this. But the idea is that we think of forgiveness as emotion rather than as decision. I think that's, for me, that's what I think is a huge part. You may disagree, and that's okay. But I think that's a big part of why people have a hard time with forgiveness. We think of it as emotion, not a decision. Right? So, yeah. What do you think, Kate? There's also, I think, a, um, it's difficult to know um, how you, you give something, how you lament it, or interact with it. Right. Do you, is forgiveness saying, oh, it's okay? No. We're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. We're going to dip our toe in the water tonight on that idea. It's called, he calls it cheap grace or transactional forgiveness. We'll talk about it. We'll mention it tonight. We'll do a deep dive on it in probably two weeks. But yeah, you're right. What does it even mean to say you forgive someone? Is it, is it uh, just, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it? That's, that's that forgiveness. That's kind of keeping the, that's keeping the covers on and just trying to be nice. That's not Christian forgiveness. Christian forgiveness is unique in that it, it's both just and loving. And we'll see that in the, you know, short answers, we'll see that in the fulfillment of the cross, right? So we'll get to that. Um, yes? But, right. How do you forgive that? Well, and we're going to talk about, we're going we're gonna to talk about, well, we can talk about that, not tonight. Well, we can, um, but we'll be kind of, I got to cover some other stuff. But yeah, how do you forgive things? How do you forgive when you hear that people are killing children and decapitating them? I mean, that, that's a abhorrent act. And what's that? Yeah, it's despicable. It's disgusting, and it's un, it's subhuman and it's evil. I'm just going to be as direct as I can about it. Um, but what, how do you forgive that? And does God forgive it? That's the other question. And this is another whole. We're going to get into that. Or do you have to? Is it even your problem? I mean. This is the question. So do you, these are all these questions of forgiveness. It's a, it's a complicated, it's a lot more in-depth than I actually, when I started reading this book, there's a lot more to it than I actually even really ever thought about, honestly. Good. Well, that's the other thing, too. So, forget, so forgiveness is threefold, right? It's, it's, that's actually, I'm going to talk about this, too. It's receiving forgiveness from God. 
Okay? That's actually the hardest part, and, and it's the basis of all of it. And we'll talk about that. It's forgiving other people. That's what we always think of as this transactional, relational thing. But the bigger thing is forgiving yourself. And, and it actually is, a, it is kind of a, it is a, uh, it's certainly hierarchical when it comes to receiving forgiveness from God to you. We'll talk about that tonight. And then receiving yourself and forgiving other people. It's a complicated topic. And I'm glad you're here because this is a big deal. And, you know, our Lord, which we're going to see in a minute, Jesus says if you don't forgive your, your, your forgive, then you're not forgiven. What does that mean? That's terrifying, right? We'll talk about that too. So there's a lot too here. So I hope you enjoy the class, and uh, I'm glad you're here. So I do. <laughs> let's talk about a couple of things. I do want to talk about uh, this idea of uh, one thing, which is super important to understand. He talks about is that this idea of for God forgiving us and us forgiving other people, uh, probably even including ourselves, actually. Uh, is a transactional thing. In other words, Christianity requires us, Jesus requires us to forgive others. And I bet you if you even, if I thought about this and we think about it, he probably even means more. You have to first be, accept my forgiveness, which is huge and not easy, right? And then, and then that has to flow out of you. And, it's, and we think of it as a quid pro quo. Right? Like if I forgive Susan for five, five things she's done wrong, then I get five things, you know, off my slate. It's actually more like this, that God is, God is saying, if you're not forgiving somebody else, then you've not actually been transformed yourself. So the whole point of this, this whole point of this book, as I can sort of discern it, is the idea of letting God forgive you, which means a couple of things that we're going to talk about. So um, one thing I want to get into, he talks about uh, uh, in chapter, in the introduction, talks about Desmond Tutu. You know who Desmond Tutu was? He was the Archbishop of South Africa. Um, and he wrote a book called No Forgiveness Without, uh, no, no Future Without Forgiveness. And uh, the book was good. The book was very focused on Desmond Tutu, <laughs> in my opinion. But one of the things I thought was fascinating, if you look at, you know, you're, you guys remember apartheid, right? There was the, the white um, um, Afrikaans government and then the whole, the black populace, and there's all this antagonism and a lot of just blatant racism involved. And so after the, the dismantling of apartheid, Tutu's like, okay, what are we going to do to keep this country from just devolving into chaos? Which it eventually did. Uh, but uh, it did. Human sin and brokenness being what it is. I'm not surprised. But Tutu, was, he said, I thought this was fascinating. I didn't know this until I was reading the Keller book. That his fear was he, didn't, he did not want to redo the Nuremberg trials. Remember those? The Nuremberg trials were the ones after World War II and Germany, all the German... Um, SS guys that survived, that weren't killed by the Allies, just in the field at opportunity. But the people that were involved in the war were brought to stand trial, Eichmann and those guys. So Tutu's like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that because it actually doesn't solve the problem. It, 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 it's vengeance, but does it actually, is it actually forgiveness? And of course the answer is no, right? We, we see, I mean, I'll, 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 be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. We heard about this stuff over in Israel right now, right? And the, what do you hear? Almost every time someone talks about it, you hear the Holocaust, right? Again, I'm not, I'm not a forgive and forget guy. I mean, I'm a forgive and forgive guy. Forgetting meaning it never happened, that's just foolishness. But to still live in this tension of harboring ah, and anger, that's, that's not really forgiveness, and they still do. I'm not faulting them for this, but I'm, they're not Christians. I'm not expecting them to do it either. 
But my point is, Tutu wanted to take a different way, a Christian way, which is we're going to not just um, fix the problem, we're going to actually go in this idea of forgiveness. And he says, here's what he says here, on page um, 8 of the introduction, page, or I'm sorry, page 13, he wrote, without forgiveness, uh, this is actually a great quote, Jim, this is your point. For, without forgiveness, abusers hold us in thrall that it was possible to uh, pursue both justice and forgiveness. Without forgiveness, abusers hold us in thrall, meaning they, you know, and we have to figure out a way to pursue both justice and forgiveness. That's what this class is all about. And then, and then he pivots into, the, in the introduction, he pivots to this idea even today. He talks about the Me Too movement. Father Gritter and I have talked about this. You know, our culture today is a culture of, of uh, grievance, right? I preached on this a couple weeks ago. We are a grievance culture. Everyone's got someone to blame and point fingers at, right? And so the, the question becomes, what do you do? And the Me Too movement, right, which is a movement, movement about women that have been abused, which is, of course, super close to my heart. I've got a wife and three daughters, girls that I love very, very deeply. That idea is, is close to my heart and many of yours. What do you do with that? Is it just blame and assault and anger, or is, it, is there a better way through it? So this is a salient issue, not even just for, for Desmond Tutu, but it's a salient issue for us. Does anybody have any comments on that? Dr. Large? Yes. In the Civil War at Appomattox Courthouse, Grant said to Lee, tell your guys to take their rifles and go home. Because they needed their rifles to kill game to feed their families. Right, to be able to, so, I mean, that, that whole, that's actually a fascinating story. It's a total rabbit trail. But the idea that in the American Civil War, I mean, what Civil War ends with the two, with the, two the, lead, the president and then the Grant and Lee coming together and saying, like, we've got to do a better way. Both those guys were Christians, by the way. Lee was an Episcopalian, so anyway, which makes it even better. <laughs> What's that? Right, right, so that's, right, so at most times when it comes to conflict, you have a winner and a loser, and, what, and Keller says here, um, um, forgiveness disarms the oppressors and wins over many of their supporters. And then, he, and then I have here in one of my comments, um, people blame Christianity, people have, like the Me Too people would blame, or BLM people for that matter, would blame Christianity for being oppressive and abusive, right? Is there a better way? Do we have to choose justice or forgiveness? And that's the way we think of it. Is there justice, right, the sword, or is there forgiveness, just let it go? Or is there a third way, which there is, which we're going to talk about. Right. You know what's you know what's interesting? Vengeance. I mean, vengeance is as twenty first century Christians, and even if you're a twenty first century Westerner, we are so grounded in Christianity. Vengeance to us seems like whoa. But it, but I, this is actually fascinating to me too. Vengeance is the default setting of the human heart. 
which I, I guess I know it's a matter of just human sinfulness and brokenness. But no other culture has had anything other than, as I said, the Greeks a little bit, but every other culture, vengeance is just what you do. And vengeance doesn't just, doesn't just mean an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's a restriction of, of revenge, right? We think of that as being vengeful. That's not true. That's actually just, you know, just reward. What most human cultures have said is, you know, you, uh, you invade my country, we're going to nuke you. In other words, the response is not just, revenge is not just uh, equivalent in its application of force or punishment. It is... Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We're going to get to that, too. That's actually part of the whole thing. So, all right. So, let's look at this thing you have on your... Um, this uh, Bible text I sent you, or put out. And I'll read it. It's Matthew 18, 21. And um, this is actually what Keller talks about in, his, in the book as, in the beginning as sort of the basis for forgiveness. And I think he's right how we're going to look at it. So this is uh, Matthew's Gap, Gospel, chapter 18. Um, then Peter came up to Jesus, him, and said, Lord, how, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? So Peter's trying to cut a deal. Peter's always trying to cut a deal. And, Peter, and by the way, Peter is the guy who always says what everybody else is thinking, including us. Just kind of keep that in mind. As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, which means you keep doing it. You don't stop. And then Jesus, like he always says, launches right into a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owned him 10,000 talents. That's a lot of money. That's an un unpayable amount. And since he could not pay, the master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So there's an injustice. So the servant fell on his knees imploring the king, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that... That's important. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So where'd that debt go? We'll get to that in a second. But when the servant came, went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is about three months' pay. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were all greatly distressed and went and reported the, the, to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all that debt. King James Version would say, until he paid the uttermost farthing. I think that's what it says. I love that. So also my heavenly Father will do every one, to every one of you who does not forgive his brother from his heart. So, let me ask you a question. When you read this, is that comforting or terrifying? Terrifying? Okay, it'll be comforting by the time we're done this class. Let me show you a couple things here that he gets into. Uh, first, first of all, St. Peter is one of my favorite guys in the Bible. I, don't, I mean, I guess, I don't know, I just like Peter. And he's a think first, he's a 
talk first, think later, think later kind of guy. And I like Peter because he kind of, he just says what's on his mind. He says what's on his mind, but the, the bigger thing is he says what everybody else is actually thinking. He doesn't have the courage to actually say it. So Peter says to Jesus, well, should I forgive my brother seven times? And that's an interesting thing because think about it. What Peter's asking for is, well, how long do I have to do this for? Like, really? Again? And we've, has anybody ever been there? Like someone you had to forgive and they do something and you forgive them and they do it again? Ever happened to you? Yeah. Kathy, you're telling me. What's that? <laughs> My wife raises her hand right away. So uh, I'm just playing. Um, Keller makes a comment in his book. He says, if one is still counting, this is a good quote. If one is still counting, one is not forgiving. If you're, not, if you're still counting, you're not forgiving. He doesn't say what forgiveness means yet. That's a lot deeper topic we'll get into. But the idea here is what, what the whole premise of the argument of this parable is if you're counting, if you're counting forgiveness, then you're doing it wrong. Does that make sense? So what Peter's doing is what we all do. Like, how long do I have to put up with this prayer? How long do I let somebody take advantage of me, kick me in the pants? We'll get into this. Uh, how long do I let somebody wrong me? And when you ask the question, you've actually missed the point. So just tuck that away. This is a couple of things. He says here, in the parable of the unforgiving servant, we learn that if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us. Um, as I said before, the talent that the guy, the first guy owes a tremendous amount. A talent is uh, uh, millions and millions and millions, an unpayable debt, right? More than you could even imagine. So a talent, when 10,000 talents, the guy's got this enormous debt, a debt, listen, which is unpayable. Remember that. A debt which is unpayable. You cannot possibly pay it. Ten, 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 a thousand or a hundred denarii, that's a payable debt. It's maybe a little bit of inconvenience, but it's payable. Ten thousand talents is not payable. Makes you wonder how he ever got that far. That's right. Makes you wonder how he got that far in debt. He had, he had three daughters. That's how he got that ten thousand dollars in debt. Ten thousand talents in debt. I'm sorry, but Linda? Right. Right, and the key to that, the key to that idea of the 10,000 talents, we're going to get to this more later, but it's, the, it's this. Uh, and again, a parable, I should back up, this is a parable. So this didn't actually, there's no king, and there's no other servants. It's a, it's a parable. And so in a parable, the characters are always three people. Well, two, you and God, okay? So the parable in this, the God in this context is the king, right? And the servant is who? You and me. So what he is saying is, wait a minute, you had an unpayable debt. So here's the thing, I'm going to get into this more later. Um, chapter 7, I think, is where he really does a deep dive on this. But the idea that the whole premise of forgiveness has to start with the idea that human beings are sinners. Like I, so let me back up. Uh, in, and we'll talk about this later. But in, the, in, in Scripture, you learn about the fall, right? The fall means that we are sinners, right? A sinner means what? Most people think of sinner, sin as being, well, I do some bad stuff and I do some good stuff, and hopefully my bad outweighs my good. That's how most people think of human right, right and wrong. Most people, in fact, I would say even a lot of Christians, unfortunately, think of right and wrong as, well, I've done... 
four bad things and five good things, or maybe it's six bad and 7.5 good, but somehow it's, like, it's a scale, right? And so, 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 so basically, it's God takes my good and my bad, puts it in a hopper, shakes it all around, and I want to, if, I, if I come up in the positive, I'm home free. That's how most people think of, of morality. Is that true? And we, most of us do too. Uh, and a lot of us live that way. If we, don't, if we don't actually admit it, a lot of us live that way. What the Bible says is something radically, radically different. And again, you will never be able to understand forgiveness until you get this point. What the Bible says is, wait a minute, you guys, we, haven't, we as humans have inherited a broken nature. Uh, we'll get into this with the Adam, Adam and Eve and the fall and all that, but we've inherited a broken nature. And so we are unable to save ourselves. And if you don't, if you don't understand that, none of Christianity will make any sense to you. Is it, but is that clear? So the idea of being, having an unpayable debt is the premise of the whole thing. It's the premise of the parable. It's the premise of the idea of forgiveness. That as a Christian, you have to walk into this whole discussion, all of life, with saying, well, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I can't save myself. And if you think you can, you're deluded. You are, del- not diluted, deluded. <laughs> I, diluted, too, but deluded. Because if you think you can save yourself, I mean, if you think about this logically, it's actually a logical argument. If God is absolutely perfect, which he is, right? Even, even, even if you think of God as the perfect being that has ever lived, he is, by definition, perfection. Is that fair? Logically speaking. Could, can perf- perfect goodness ever be in the presence? Could you, as a person who's even done one tiny little thing, right? Say, say all you ever did in your entire life was steal a tic-tac from the five and, five and dime. That's one little infraction. Can that one little infraction be in front of something which is pure holiness? Could it? No. It's a, it's a ridiculous argument, but, if, but that, unless you believe in this, which is, you know, you know the Pharisee in the New Testament where he's praying in the temple, and he says, I thank you, Lord, I'm not like other men. <laughs> right? I may be bad, but I'm not as bad as that guy. And then the other guy says, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So another, it, it sounds, if you're not familiar with this concept of the fall and sin, if, you, if it's a new, it's a fresh idea to you, or you're still like, what? I'm, I don't get this. Just stay with it, because once you understand it, it's actually completely liberating. It's liberating to understand that. It sounds oppressive, and it sounds, you know, crushing. To know that you're a sinner, fallen sinner, who can't save yourself, is actually liberating, because you know that somebody who can. Does that make sense? Yes, Kate. Right. Which you may be, sometimes. Or usually, even every single time but one. Right? Well, and that's actually, you know, I'll I'll give you a a story. When I was uh, 25, 26, and I was kind of putting my toe in the water in Christianity, I came across a book called um, uh, The Screwtape Letters, which you may know. Um, Some people, like Kathy, hated it. I love it. It really is, I think, one of those books you either love love it or hate it. But I read that book, and the whole thing is about it's spiritual warfare between a guy, screw tape, tempting a, a, uh, as a devil, tempting a person, a, a man. At the end of the book, the whole thing is like one thing after another, and it's this dueling thing. At the end of the book, um, the guy dies, but, you, re- but the, you realize that no matter what the guy did, 
he, he was saved because he became a Christian. But no matter what you do, the devil's always one step ahead of you. And I'll never forget this. I was laying on my apartment. I was in Media, Pennsylvania, where I lived at the time. I was working for Siemens. And I was laying in bed. I was reading the book. And I finished it. And I put it down. And I said, how can I? I said, Lord, I thought like a, a balanced guy, right? I said, Lord, how can I possibly do this? How can I possibly be good enough? How can I do this? And he said to me, you can't. But I can and that's the key to the whole thing. Once you get that, what? That once, and, and once you get that, that it's all about God's grace and his gift to us, like you've got to get your mind around that. The 10,000 talents, that person who owes 10,000 talents, that's you, and that's certainly me. Susan? And that's what I find so reassuring. I'm right. What's that? I'm glad I can't save myself. I, I guess that's why I'm a Christian. Right. What an, incredible, what an incredible burden that would be to carry. People care, and that's actually, that's actually one of the things we're going to talk about. How hard it is to actually accept, how hard it is to actually accept that. It's not an easy thing, because we want to be in control. We want to be, I mean, we all do. We want to be able to call our own shots, because we don't really trust that God's going to do what he says. So we want to be in control. You know, we might believe in God, but we want to have a plan B, just in case, right? We all do. We all do. And so the idea is, once you get in your mind the idea that you're fallen but saved, it changes the whole dynamic, everything. And that actually, um, Kathy remembers this, right? When I read that book, and I was like, what am I? I mean, I remember her telling her a couple of days later, I'm like, I, this book totally changed how I saw myself. And I went from a balanced guy to like, I'm a pretty good guy, and maybe I've done some things at Penn State that I'm not crazy about, but you know. <laughs> but uh, whatever, in, in general, you know. I was a, kind of a party boy. But anyhow, you, you realize that until you get the idea that you're the servant that was a 10,000 talents, none of this will make any sense to you. And you'll be miserable until you do that, too, because you're going to try to prove yourself, and when you fail, you're going to feel guilt and shame. So, anyway, the 10,000 talents is the, is the infinite debt we owe God, and then um, God, the forgiveness is difficult for us to receive. God's forgiveness, the man that goes to the, to the, to the king and, and begs for forgiveness, notice a couple of things here. Um, the king actually... Names, the, names it. I never actually thought about this, but look at it. The, um, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Verse 25, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife and children and all that he had, and payment be made. Right? So God is not saying that justice is removed. He's saying this guy was wrong and he has to pay. You with me? So, so, the idea here is that in, this, in the parable, the, the injustice and the sin and the brokenness is named. Yes, this is something which has to be paid for. Okay? And then this is the key. And the man says to him, the man, the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. Now, that's kind of ridiculous. Nobody can pay 10,000 talents is more money than anybody has. And have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity... Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Stop there. If, if the king is owned, owed 10,000 talents, which is a million, $15 million, right? And he forgives the guy the debt. Who pays the debt? The king. Do you see? Remember that. If the debt is owed, who pays the debt? The king, by forgiving the debt, pays it himself. 
what we see on the cross, we'll get to this later, with Jesus is God who becomes a man to pay the debt himself. Right? One thing which, which Keller talks about, which I heard him preach about years ago, which is why I picked this book. He said something. He said, when you are a person who is going to forgive, you've got to forgive someone, you forgive someone else because you realize first, you owe 10,000 talents and God has paid the debt in your place, firstly. And then secondly, he said, part of forgiveness, this was super helpful for me. It may not be for you, but it was for me. Part of forgiveness is recognizing that you've got to pay the debt partly yourself. And I don't, I don't mean you've got, to, you've got to earn your own salvation. I mean, forgiving somebody means I'm going to eat this. Right? So if somebody wrongs you and you decide to forgive, you are saying, I am going to bear this burden. Because, because frankly, Jesus bore mine for me. Well, no, no. What I mean is if somebody, say, say somebody wrongs you and you're completely innocent on the, on the matter, which is rarely the case, but say you were. Say somebody, say somebody I don't know, say one of your kids steals $5,000 up for you or whatever. I don't know, whatever it is. And you forgive that person. You've got to say, I'm going to just, I'm going to, that $5,000, I'm going to, I'm choosing, I say eat it, but I'm choosing to accept that on myself. Because Christ accepted me for, on himself. So it, it, it flows. Does that make sense? And um, this is where you actually get to the point of being like, okay. And this is why when you choose to forgive somebody, this is, I think, for me, and maybe it is for you, I don't know. But for me, that was actually mind-blowing. A, the realizing I was a 10,000-talent guy, <laughs> right, reading screw tape, And then secondly, realizing when you forgive somebody because God has forgiven you, in some way, you've got to bear that. You've got to bear that cost. You're choosing to eat it. You're choosing, I'm not sure, think of a better way to say that, but you're choosing to... Uh, Absorb it. Thank you. That's a good way to put it. Does that help you? Is that helpful? or I don't know. For me, that was. It might not be for you. Uh, you do you. Oh, no. Yeah, maybe, it probably has nothing to do with money at all. It might. Money is, money is easy to forgive. It's really, it's really other things which are harder to forgive. But I do think, but as a, what I'm trying to say is, and we'll get to, we'll get to this later, as a matter of how do you actually practically do it, one of the things to recognize is that you have to make a conscious decision that A, you first bore a debt, and B, you were forgiven, and C, you're going to absorb. Who said that? Absorb. Thank you, Audrey. Absorb, whatever you can think of, whatever, whatever you want to describe it. You're going to absorb that cost yourself. That to me was, that's helpful. Because then it's like, okay, I've made a decision to actually do this, and I'm going to do it. And it's, and it's terrible, and it's unfair, but I'm going to absorb it anyway. Father? I think one of the helpful ways uh, I think about absorbing it yeah. is, um, is Christ sharing our burdens. Right. And he died for this too. Right. You know? Exactly. Right, and that, that, thank you. Father was saying that he, for the camera, Father was saying how that Christ help, helped us to absorb that, and absolutely right. We have to, I think you can't absorb it yourself until you first recognize that Christ has absorbed it for you, right? And then, and also it gives us the grace to do it. That's, right? I think that's the key, that God gives us the strength and the ability to do it. It's not easy. It's not easy unless you first recognize the, the, the 10,000 talents that you, own, you also owe and the cost that it's going to be. So anyway, so get into this. So uh, he says here about this king, name the trespass truthfully rather than excusing it. So he, the debt is called out. Um, he, uh, he says also, number two, name the truth, the, uh, 
the uh, trespass. Uh, secondly, he says, identify the perpetrator as a fellow sinner. So, and we'll get into this more later, but one thing you'll find, um, and if you've raised kids, you probably know this already, you begin to see in your kids as they get older, even when they're little, it's like, you know, yeah, you see they make mistakes, and you're like, you know what, I've been there and done that too. And you begin to see them less as like, you, it's more like, yeah, we're in this together, so let me, let me, let me help you how to get through this on your own, you know, yourself, as a person who's also a sinner, struggling with living in a fallen world. Um, third thing he says here, it's on page nine, by the way, if you want to look at it. Uh, release, the wrongdoer, release the wrongdoer by absorbing the debt yourself. And then aim for reconciliation. Those are the four points he makes. Um, he says here also, and this is in chapter one, um, forgiveness must be vertical and horizontal, meaning it's got to come from God first, right? It's got to come from God first. And you've got to accept it from God first. And, and that's a big, that's a biggie. Uh, and then secondly, um, and then uh, horizontal. He says horizontal, meaning uh, other people. But I, I actually think horizontal could be more like yourself, too. Like, God's forgiven me. Do I really accept that God's, A, that what I, was, what I, was, what I owed, my 10,000 talents. God has forgiven me. Do I actually internalize that? And then how do I forgive other people? So in other words, you see, you see other people not so much as an enemy, although they could be an enemy, you see them as people who are also struggling against sin and brokenness. Let's break this down. Um, we're talking about Israel and Hamas right now, right? What Hamas did was completely abhorrent and terrible, and they should... I, I think what's happened there is despicable. However, if you're going to look at someone and say, how do we deal with this situation? I'm not excusing what they did. Please don't hear that. Uh, I, you can look at that and say, these people were wrong, and sinful and broken, how did they see the situation that way that they thought that was right? And I'm not saying it makes it right, and I'm not saying you agree with it. What I'm saying is you can, you can enter into, how can I see this person as a fellow sinner? I've never, I've never killed anybody. I've never killed anybody. Uh, I've never felt that that was something which was right to do, or even impelled to do it, right? They did. Does that make them worse than you? In one sense, yeah, because I've never killed anybody. But in another sense, they're also sinners just like we are. Does that make sense, everybody? And I'm not, I hope that doesn't come across as I'm trying to excuse it, because I'm not at all. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, is as, as a human being trying to make sense of how the world goes and how you as a Christian wrap your mind around evil and brokenness and forgiveness, one of the things which we'll talk about in more detail is recognizing that they're, sin on, they're sinners just like we are. Any, any comments or questions on that? Yes, Father. Enslaved what? Enslaved to sin? That's a very good point. So Father made the point of these people that are doing these things. Murdering children is a, a demonic act, right? Full stop. And so the, think about the slavery they are fallen into where they are enslaved to demons, frankly. And to see that, I mean, they're human souls, right? We pray for their salvation. I do. Nobody wants to see a person in eternity forever. Christ has died for, has the, has died for the opportunity for all to be saved. So we pray for their salvation. 
It's their choice whether they want to be saved or not. But to your point, to see somebody so, in, so enslaved by the demonic is both dis disgusting, terrifying, and hopefully uh, pitying. You're, any, if you've ever known somebody who is a drug addict or an alcoholic or any of those things, and you see they're enslaved by it, people, and who's come out of it later, uh, I know somebody, one of my very distant family members was a very uh, um, uh, dysfunctional alcoholic, came out of it, this is years ago, came out of it, and they go, how did I do all that stuff? Like, I was so in this uh, disease, so enslaved, how could I have possibly done all this stuff? And then they, were, they feel guilt and shame over it, right? So that's, to your point, evil's real. And, and, the, and it enslaves people in varying degrees. Yeah, we've got a couple of questions. Yes, Susan? Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking, listening to you talk about being back. Um, you don't have to be just having that experience or something like that. Come now. You have to be brainwashed or just brainwashed. Boy, it's such a complicated. Yeah, it's just, you know, hate, hate has a way. <laughs> and again, this is where forgiveness comes in, right? Islam knows nothing about, by the way, Islam knows nothing about forgiveness. It's not even a basic part of their worldview. So it's all, it's all vengeance, right? Every other religion but Christianity, really, literally, every other worldview, not even religion, just worldviews, is all vengeance. Period. And so if you're like, if, if you're in a Muslim, can you have a person, a Muslim who's not, I mean, I'm not saying all Muslims are vindictive and that, but I'm saying the idea of forgiveness and Christ dying on the cross to save you from your sins, that is a uniquely Christian worldview. So to be so in, enslaved, to Father's point, of this hate, it just, people do crazy stuff and demonic things. I don't, I don't, well, <laughs> that's, a, I don't know. Someone else had hands up. Did you, Roger, you have a comment? Right, and the inner torment, right. Right, and, and when they, and when they, if and when they come to themselves, right, uh, can you imagine the horror that would be when you finally realize, what have I done? We've all been there, right? What have I done? We've all done, been there. Uh, you know the one scene from The Passion of the Christ where Judas betrayed, anybody ever see that movie, The Passion of the Christ? There's a really good scene in that, and one of my favorite scenes of the movie, actually, is when Judas betrays Jesus, and it shows Judas being tempted by a devil. It's, and it's no, you, never, you, never, you never see the devil, but you see just everything's just kind of off. And, it's so, and he's terrified, right? And anyway, the idea of being uh, assaulted by a demon is a terrifying thing. Rod, do you have a comment? Yeah. What do you mean? Right. And I 
to me that you know, maybe I'm not as good Christian as I think I am, but I want to be. Right. That's why you're here. Uh, and That's why you're here. But it, it's one of those things. One of the things that disturbs me, there's no hierarchy of sin. Mm-hmm. There's not. Sin is evil. That's right. So we think things are vicious. I would say this. All, so that's a good question. So, so there, that's a, let's talk about that for a second. Roger made a really good point. All sin is equal, meaning it puts distance between us and God. And remember, all you have to have is one thing, which we all have, one thing between you and God, and you're not perfect. And you've got to be perfect. So all you need is one thing. Are all sins, so if I, I don't know, steal a pack of gum from 7-Eleven, that's a sin. Egregious. Before, it's before God. It's stealing. If I do kill somebody, pardon me, that is also a sin. The consequences of that sin are far more reaching, right? Far more reaching and far more uh, inv- um, bringing more evil onto, suffering onto other people. So in one sense, I would say all sin is the same. Some sin has more consequence to it than others. Yes. But and repent. We'll get to that. There's no penalty. I mean, you can do whatever you want as long as you come around and believe in Jesus. You're no, I would say that I wouldn't actually say that. I would say if you're if somebody came to me, um, be careful here. If somebody came to me and said they confessed that they had killed someone mm-hmm. and wanted me to give them absolution, pardon them from their sin, I would say to them this: If you are truly repentant of your sin, you will go and you will you will confess it and you will turn yourself in, and you will bear the consequences of that action. So forgiveness does not mean you get a free ride. I mean, forgiveness does not, you can have forgiveness with justice. And if a person said, I'm not going to, this actually happened, not with murder, but with other things. People said, I'm not going to do that. Well, then I'm not going to, then you're not forgiven. In other words, if forgiveness means, and we'll talk about this too, forgiveness of your sins means you are repentant of them, you regret it, okay, fine. But you're actually doing, you're doing whatever you can to undo it. Sometimes you can't undo it. Uh, and then again, that's when you talk to your priest, because sometimes you don't want to do things. It's a very tricky thing. And I, I'm not, that's all I'm going to say. But um, you need to go talk to a, a priest somebody that you, uh, for counsel. Like, what do I do? I want to repent of this. I made a mistake. I really blew it. Okay, what happened? And then you talk through it. The priest has the authority to bind or loose sins. So a priest can say, I absolve you of your sins based upon what you've told me. Priests have that authority to do. Jesus gives it to us by virtue of our, our office. Uh, or retain. And so it comes down to a judgment call. And it's not individual, like there's, there are standards to it. But one of the things being, if a person's committed a sin and they are repentant, they say, because they feel bad about it, but aren't going to do anything to fix the problem, then you're not really repentant of it. Does that answer your question? Yeah, forgiveness is not a, just a, hey, I'm sorry, you too. Yes, there's a lot. Yes, Barbara. Um, we are looking at this from a Christian standpoint. That's right. We are. Right. Totally, right. You're 100% correct. That's right. 
They're not. You're totally right. Barbara's point is a really, really good one. We as Westerners make the mistake of thinking everybody else thinks like we do. We are, we are culturally snobs and, and, and naive. Uh, Islam does not believe in, there's a lot of things you could talk about here, and I'm, but they, they don't see the, same, the world the same way that we do. They don't see, well, that's a broad statement. They don't see the, same, the world the same way that we do. And so what you would say then is the way that you solve the problem is by preaching the gospel, right? So, uh, and, and, we're gonna, and we'll talk about this later, our, our culture is increasingly moving away from a Christian worldview as well, which is why you see people that are so unwilling to see other people's points of view. Now it's just cancel culture, right? You did this, I'm not talking to you anymore. You voted for this person, I'm not talking anymore. You did this, you're, off, um, you're anathema to me, right? That is not a Christian worldview. And that's where we're headed. But, but I, don't think, I don't see that as a bad, it's a bad thing, but that's actually not, it's, this is, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. But this is actually an opportunity for us as Christians to live differently. Because what the gospel, remember, the gospel is unique to Christianity. When Jesus was around and the apostles in the first century, the Romans didn't forgive anybody either. It was all vengeance and it was no different than modern day Hamas, right? What happened was the, the Christians were there and they showed the world, I'm not even going to say a better way, they showed the world the right way, which is forgiving God's way. And that's what our mission is to do. So, Barbara, that's a really good point. Thank you for saying that. One more thing, Susan, and then I'll get a couple more. Yeah. Well, right, so... I got news for you. Yeah, Netanyahu, Netanyahu is a sinner, too. I, I'm not saying... A guy, I'm not going to get into politics. I, I know. I'm not going to get into that whole quagmire. Huh? Well, you know, the thing is, I think the important thing in all this and the idea of sin is that it's all bad. It's all bad because it all separates us from God. Some of them have far worse consequences in terms of suffering. If you cheat on your taxes, right, does that affect anybody? No. If you don't get caught, no. But if you, you, drive, you, kill, you, drive, you drive home drunk and kill somebody, yeah, that'll affect families. The, the consequences of some sins, the consequences are far worse. But they're all equal. That's a debatable point, actually. But I would say they're all, they're all equal in terms of separating us from God. Someone else had a comment, and then we can wrap up. Uh, Dr. Large? I mean, Kathy. They go to heaven. What would you do with 9,000 wives? I mean, I don't even... What's that? What'd you say? One is exhausting. She said it, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kathy, what would you want to say? Right. But then, you know, we ask forgiveness. 
Right. And, and, and let me say one quick thing on that. Remember, remember back in the story with the 10,000 talents, when the king forgave the debt, he paid for it himself. Remember that. That's a super, otherwise, Christian forgiveness just sounds like, like bygones be bygones. That's not true. It's those sins are paid for on the cross by our Lord. Right? Um, so there is payment made by God dying for them. So there's, so there's a payment. There's a tra- justice, for, justice is transactional. Right? All wrongs, must, all wrongs must be righted. So it's not that someone just gets a free pass. When God forgives you or you forgive someone else, the debt is paid for by our Lord. Both your debt and their debt. And I think Kathy's point's a really good one. When I, I counseled somebody a long time ago, in a, it actually was a confession, and they confessed their sin to me. I'm going to give you, be very, very vague in the details deliberately here. And the per- person said to me later on, um, hey, Father, remember when I told you about blah? And I, and I said, what? And they said, well, you know, we were just talking about this a couple days ago. I was in talking to you, you know. And, and I said, well, what are you talking about? You know, we talked about blah. I said, the Lord has put away your sin. Go and sin no more. And they were like, oh. I said, it's gone. And they were just like, whoa. Because they, they, they did not internalize. Even though, the Lord, even though God had forgiven them, I pronounced absolution on it. God gives us the assurance. And, and by the way, at Sunday in church, when the priest pronounces absolution, that's what he's doing. Uh, she had not, really had not accepted it. She couldn't forgive herself. So just anyway, the, the thing is, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big topic. Anybody, someone else had some hands up. Um, anybody else? What's that? No. All right, so it is 640. I promised you by 630 we'd be done. Um, we didn't get as far as I wanted to get. But would you guys rather start at 6 and go to 7? Or is 530 to 630 better? What do you think? What? Tonight? Well, by other people, other people, other people, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really mindful of that. If, we, if you're going to set a schedule to keep it, but we could do this. We could move this. If you'd rather stay later, it doesn't matter to me. We could do six to seven. Meet it. You know, what do y'all think? Is this good? Okay. So next week we're going to do chapters two and three. Maybe we'll do four also. Read through four, and I'll see if I can plow through that. But uh, this is a lot of preliminary stuff tonight, and. Uh, and again, what, I'm just kind of painting in very broad brushes here. We'll do deep dives on a lot of this. Um, but again, if you can take away one thing from this, that parable of the, of the king, at least in my heart, what resonates with me is the fact that the king paid the debt. That's key. The debt is paid. But forgiveness is not just people getting a wash, which is what a lot of people think. It's that our Lord paid. Either you pay. <laughs> Our Lord pays the debt for us in our place. And quite frankly, you know, and that's, let me end with this one thing. You know, in Scripture, talking about Judas a minute ago, how he betrays Jesus and he, he, uh, he kills himself, right? They all betrayed Jesus. <laughs> Peter also betrayed Jesus, right? Three times, okay? What's the difference between Judas and Peter? What's the difference? Why, why is Judas considered anathema and in hell, most likely? And why is Peter not? Anybody know? Peter recognized he couldn't save him. Right. Judas wanted to, Judas was so shamed he couldn't ask for forgiveness. Again, the state of his soul, I don't know. That's way beyond my pay grade. But Judas was so ashamed he couldn't ask for forgiveness. Peter was ashamed, but at least had the strength to ask. And it was given. 
So that's the key to the whole thing, is just to, remember, to recognize that God is the one who pays the debt for us. And therefore, how are you, you know, go and do likewise, as our Lord would say. All right, so next time, we'll do two, three, and four. And uh, what's that? At five. So we meet, what we do is we meet at five, typically. We'll meet at five. We'll kind of have you know, a little social time. Typically start eating around 5, 25, 30. I'll just start lecturing at 5.30-ish so we can get out of here by 6.30-ish and then be on our way. Is that okay with everybody? Okay. All right, shall we pray before you go? All right, Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this study, which is challenging and also um, incredibly comforting and uh, intellectually satisfying. We thank you, Lord, for your, for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross to pay the price for all justice in our place and in the place of all those who lean on him for that payment. Help us, Lord, to be likewise forgiving of those, forgiving of ourselves and forgiving of those in our lives. Uh, send us home now in peace and in joy and in gratitude for your son, Jesus, who died that we might live. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, friends. See you next week.